And uh, the first thing I figured out is that you have to breathe before you start to speak. <laughs> because then you're getting hyperventilating and you, you don't get breathe. You, you, there's no oxygen in your uh, brain and then it's like out. Hi, my name is Lila Marshall. I'm from Seattle, Washington. And I just finished my first year at CC. So I have not decided on my major yet. Um, I am here to talk about our discussion with Katarina Ogentoye at Jolie Ba. We had a great talk with Katarina and she was so sweet to have us in her space. And so I'm excited to talk about what we learned today and share my discussion that I had with my peers. In terms of how this discussion fit into our class, uh, I would say the most important thing that really stuck with me was how much Katarina talked about identity and that is such a big part of our class, thinking about how identities in Germany are formed and how those stories have been constructed. Additionally, thinking about the intersectionality we talk about in this class, of course, um, Katarina is working for so many interdisciplinary movements and she's a black feminist woman and she's Afro-German and she's thinking about so many problems in the community and they're all embodied in this organization, Joliba. Our conversation also really got me thinking about what resistance means and the many forms it can take on, especially since Katarina is someone who has been a part of so many different forms of resistance movements and she has taken all that experience and brought it to Joliba. Give me a uniform. I don't want it. I cannot have it. <laughs> Give me, you know, you know, protesting to militarism yeah. and, you know, the poor police woman and man standing there. <laughs> that was just a quick example of Katarina talking about the very active resistance she participated in. She was such an incredible storyteller, and so I'm excited to include some of her clips in this podcast. Jolie Ba is an organization that Katarina founded in 1997. They're located in Kreuzberg. And a lot of what they do is community events and things that bring people together, particularly people in Germany who have been historically oppressed. They host tons of community events, they have sewing classes, they work a lot with children in the community. And through all these things, it's really clear how Katarina has created this space for intercultural interactions and understanding and a very safe space. As soon as we all came into Joliba, it was so clear how open the space is. Katarina welcomed us so warmly. The whole time we were there, there were people coming in and out who worked there, all greeting us so excitedly in German or English or however they could, and they just all were excited to see young people in there. We then pretty quickly jumped into our discussion. Katarina told us a lot about her personal history. She was born in Germany and then moved to Nigeria with her father for two years. And it was great to hear her talk about how that gave her this foundation of an African identity that I think aided her a lot in creating this Afro-German term uh, because she had that connection to Africa. And that was an important connection that a lot of her black peers didn't have um, in that they maybe lived with only their white parent or lived in foster families and never got to experience their African culture at all. She then talked about the book she wrote, Showing Our Colors, with uh, six Afro-German women, and it was this telling of the Afro-German story and the claiming of the word itself. 
the poet Audre Lorde had a part in this as well. Katharina described this incredible moment when she and her friend and colleague Mai were in a class and Audrey approached them and said that you need to introduce yourself to the world and introduce this identity to the world and that really set them off on starting the work on the book Showing Her Colors. She spoke about identity in many ways. In the following clip, Katharina is comparing the finding of identity in the feminist movement with how she applied those theories and that outlook onto the Afro-German movement. Finding out, because we came from a place where as a woman you did not have a, 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 a subjectivity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you now start to, to look into this again, how the oppression of women included not letting them have honor. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely irrelevant, you know. Uh, and uh, and they don't have did not have a voice. They were not allowed to to vote. They and even if they said something, it was not relevant enough to be taken in in um, uh, yeah in in, uh, in into the thing. So that's where we came from to 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 postulate an identity to find out what does it mean to be a woman. Is there a women aesthetic? Is there a, a woman art, uh, that, you know, a woman writing? That was the questions that were, were asked. And they were partly answered with a yes and uh, <laughs> but no. <laughs> you know, they, it was just to figure it out. Yeah. And then, uh, I've, uh, and with the black movement, it was the same thing. We were talking about, like, do we have an Afro-German culture? And if we have one, what would that be? You know, and so on. Um, but at the end of this discussion, at the end of the 90s, um, mid 90s, end 90s, we were at the point, I find, that people had found identities that, because identities are fluid also, right? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you have, they're, this is more important at this time in your life, and this at this time, uh, Eric Erickson. Yeah. Yeah, and so on. You have read these. I love how she started it out talking about the feminist movement, which I think a lot of people in the room have had a lot of discussions about. Um, but then, of course, you're just left thinking, oh, that's just where she started. She had the whole Afro-German identity to face as well. I also feel I learned a lot from her use of the term subjectivity, um, because I, that is used so much in academic discussions, and I had never thought about it in this way, about thinking of someone's whole person, whole identity as subjectivity, and in that way, having value in all these spaces. It was also great that we got to read some of Showing Our Colors, and that when she's talking about developing identity through these cultural things, like writing and poetry and so much, um, we got to see the manifestation of that and what it meant to these women, and what they cultivated as this Afro-German identity in the book. I feel that a lot of movements today tend to be moving towards quantity over quality. Um, so it was just great to see for how Katarina this was such a process. and It was so deliberate. Every part of the book was so focused and well thought out and just beautiful. She really seemed to acknowledge at the time the amount of power that she had in creating this identity because they were so early in the movement. 
like for example when she was talking about how it was this room of 30 people who decided they would use the term afro-german over anything else and really put that forward at the front of the movement and it was just those 30 people and then that decision allowed it to spread to everyone and become the new standard um really made me think about individual power and i feel that today everyone can feel so stifled by how big all um, resistances, but she really put in my mind that individual power shouldn't be looked over because, especially in a community and in a city, like her individual work has had such an impact. One of my other favorite moments during our discussion was pretty early on when Katarina was talking about why she started Joliba and how she views her organization. Uh, but then I figured that is not the right place for, for my fight, for my, uh, my struggle to do. Uh, I wanted to create something that helps kids and their parents, their environment, to make it uh, a place where they can grow, where they can grow to be these people in the future that will, you know, uh, create the future. That's why I'm so happy now to see these uh, young people uh, doing it, you know, um, that it's like every year there's a generation coming, a new mm -hmm. generation, and it's getting very international. Yesterday there was a, uh, they, they were art, um, doing uh, in the night uh, theater performance, an experimental performance, and the, the, the woman who has written it was a black uh, Danish woman, <laughs> uh, quite known. I mean, I didn't know the, I don't know that generation so well, but she was very known. And then uh, the curator was from the Dominican Rep Republic. She's doing her doctorate at the Humboldt University. And the other uh, um, dancer and art actor, actress was a black uh, from Norwegian. <laughs> uh, Norwegian. Yeah, that's the, you know Norway. what I mean. Nor For me, it was just really cool to hear her talk about working with children. Um, both my parents worked as teachers when I was growing up, so it was always kind of driven into my mind how important early childhood is on making an impact um, to your whole life. And I think with radical movements, so much is focused on people our age who are obviously important and whose ideas have a lot of impact on the whole society. Um, but just thinking about children and how they create this foundation and they're what's coming next and they what is put in their mind is what's going to be reflected when they're in their 20s and then when they're in the workforce or whatever they choose to do um so that was just personally really interesting to me beyond that she was talking about the conference she attended about changing the curriculum on german history in the schools which is such a structural way of reflecting what she's doing in Julie Ba, hopefully, um, in that these narratives about oppressed people in Germany can begin to change at that beginning level and can begin to reflect the truth and in that way lead to more resistance and more change in the society. Also, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, this talk really got me thinking about what resistance means. I think so much of what we see in resistance today is focused on heightened acts and violence and 
it was so cool to see this organization where resistance is so warm and so open and for everyone and such a foundation of the community. It's a community rooted in resistance. Especially after coming from a career of being part of so many movements, it was cool to see how Katarina took all that knowledge to create Joliba and to give it this face that is so welcoming. So yes, I would say that this talk really helped me start to change the way I think about resistance in my own life. She's also just so in tune with what's going on in the community, both in this clip when she's talking about that play and then just throughout our talk, it was so clear. She's so plugged into what's going on in Berlin. Um, just shows how to be a figure like her in a community is not easy work. And she's put so much into this organization to make it this comfortable, amazing space that is creating this place for resistance within the community. Next up, I am so excited to introduce the discussion I had with my peers, Dorika and Diana, um, about this talk at Joliba. I really enjoyed being able to have these discussions and just reflect on what we're learning and hopefully bring some things together. So here's that. Hi, I am here with Dorika from Atlanta. She's a creative writing major, REMS minor, going to be a junior next year, and Diana from Houston, who is prospective English major, FemGen minor, and also going to be a sophomore. Um, so we're here to talk about Ba, where we went today for our discussion. Um, I first just wanted to start out asking you guys what sort of your first impressions were and like what comes to mind when you think about our discussion today and like what those memorable moments were. My first impression was definitely that Catalina was a very, she was very well-spoken and she was very knowledgeable on what she was trying to do in Germany, what she was trying to do with black women, black people, and also that she was just, you know, very hardworking. And I think the discussion, I think the discussion went really well. I personally got a lot out of it and I got my question answered. Yeah. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me was the different forms of resistance they had happening in the different Jolie Ba locations, like having a sewing class and um, teaching languages and things like that and the way one of the employees actually improved her German just by working there and how even through that that's almost a form of resistance or helping minoritized groups. Yeah, definitely. She definitely had like such a great presence and was really an interesting speaker, it was cool. And definitely I noticed the same thing, just like hearing about all the different things they're doing, like she didn't even give us this whole like rundown of the organization, but just she kept weaving into conversation all these different ways that they were helping the community and like bringing people together and like starting conversations and it's really interesting. Um, another thing that I thought she kind of just kept mentioning was how important like languages and like the, the vocabulary of all these movements she's a part of, like with Afro-German and with queer. Um, so I was just wondering what you guys thought about that, like how language is important to starting movements and continuing them. I personally, what I thought was really interesting about language was when she started talking about the word queer, because in the US it's just, it's so new, and it's sort of seen as a positive way to sort of like... Yeah, it's like being reclaimed. Yeah, it's yeah. like positive, but 
I had never really looked at it from the perspective that she brought up, that it's sort of like a blanket term that almost gives you an excuse to not know these individuals or these individual identities. Yeah, that's interesting. I think another thing that's interesting is um, last year I was the chair of the Queer Community Coalition mm -hmm. on campus, and there was a lot of conversation about even using the term queer with older alumni because their relationship to the word was like it was being shouted at them while they were being bashed or yeah. brutalized. And so we were always told to be very careful around that. And while a lot of people accepted it and accepted that as the name of the org, there was still always the question of where we step back and be like, well, does this actually include trans people if we're saying queer? What does queer really mean to us? And so I found that part really interesting too. Yeah, it was cool. I, I went to this kind of off topic, but I went to that talk last night with the feminist DJs and it was just, there was one older woman there who like started this organization in the like late nineties or something, but which isn't even that long ago, but just how she talked about the feminist movement was so different than these two like mid twenties people who were there. And I don't know, it's just crazy to see like how we talk about things changes so fast, even though obviously so many of the ideas are the same and like the goals are the same. Just how, you know, she was saying like, feminism is great and we should use it as a marketing tool. And the other two were like, no, because it's not like an intersectional movement enough that we can like claim it as that. So just like, yeah, seeing how the minor ideas change, but the main, we can still all work together. Yeah, and even like, that's just one generation apart, right? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Um, another thing that really struck me from this was when she was talking about how they chose the term Afro-German like, with a session of 30 people and then it was just so accepted. Um, and I was just wondering like, if that made you guys also think about your power as an individual. Is that kind of, I don't know, I always feel intimidated by the size of like, movements um, and how you know, it can feel like, oh, what can I do? But then hearing her say, like, I was just one of 30 people. I think definitely just listening to her speak and just reading, you know, the book that she's written has made me realize what I can do more, like, as an individual, for sure. Because you're reading, like, these texts or you're, like, thinking about these people and they seem so, like, separated from you as a regular person. But, like, mm -hmm. sitting there and talking to her and having her tell us where she's coming from and how she's gone about doing what she's done with only like a set number of like other women, it's really crazy. Like it definitely brings to mind like your power as an individual. I think a lot of individual power kind of gets like downplayed because of how many things are happening online. So yeah. if you're not trending, then you know, who heard you, who cares? <laughs> um, like Black Lives Matter, when people start hashtagging things, the point is, well, now we can see how many people see what we're talking about, how many people care, and you can kind of measure impact. But I think with writing books and things, you can also measure a different way um, and potentially reach people who just aren't online or don't yeah. enjoy getting your news from online and things like that. So. Yeah, and with that too, like when she said that Audre Lorde just approached her and mine was like, you have to expose yourself to the, I don't remember what the quote was, I have it down here. <laughs> you need to introduce yourself to the world and how she never will forget that phrase and how like that made her want to write this book and go on this whole thing. So yeah, that was really interesting to me. And just 
inspiring. Um, I know one thing that, connecting to our last discussion, um, I don't know, I think it's cool how the German government has been funding both of the last organizations we've talked to, um, but do you guys think that's like a productive thing, and do you think that has affected how these organizations work at all? I feel like it has affected the like what the way that they're working and what they can specifically do, but I don't feel like either of them told us any sort of instance where they told them they can't do something. They just told us how incredibly hard it was to get funding because um, I remember with the tour we did yesterday, she was saying it took her like, I don't even know how many years, I don't remember, or it, like it's just so hard to get like the German government to actually listen to these women. Yeah. I also think the funding seems a bit shallow. Like the government's like, oh, see, we care. We funded this mm -hmm. many groups that are concerned with this issue. But, I mean, the issue lives on. They yeah. can fund it for how long, and how long will they continue to fund them when no changes are really happening in the greater mm -hmm. society and these services are still needed. And I feel like that's why they continue funding them, because they're not really, they're definitely producing results, mm -hmm. but they're not producing, like, insanely radical, like, you can see it everywhere type of results. And I mean, you definitely can see impacts everywhere, but they're, like, very subtle impacts, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of going off of that Germany theme, why do you guys think this organization is important to like Berlin specifically or Germany specifically um you know, that's kind of broad but just like how do you think the community has formed around like Julie Vaughn in a way that it might not in like the U.S. or something I feel like it's definitely these sort of organizations are definitely more important here in Berlin and in places like this because you have like spread out individuals who have never seen anyone who looks like them, who don't know how to define themselves, who don't know anything about like their past or their heritage. So I feel like these organizations are specifically important because they're, they're a minority and they're a separated minority that doesn't have any sort of way to create an identity or to create these spaces on their own. I think um, spaces like this are really important everywhere and I wonder if in the US I don't think things like this would be funded just because they yeah. kind of are so heavily geared towards minorities and not in a way that's supposed to be ushering in white people or exclusively educating white people and I don't know if the space could exclusively market itself the way that it seems to do here in the US yeah because in the US a lot of times white people are a lot more def defensive than they seem to be here around these inclusive spaces. Like in the US, if there was like a blacks only space or like a Latino on Latinos only space, you would have white people saying like that's reverse racism, you know, that term or something like that. Yeah, no, it's a really, it was such a cool space and I don't know, I think the stuff she's doing with like families and kids is so important and foundational. Just especially like now coming into college and analyzing more than ever like where my information has come from for all of 
you know, my schooling and like why was I ever learning what I was learning just to know that there are spaces out there where kids are being exposed to things they wouldn't in school and like being around adults and the next generation of people who have like experienced so many things it was very cool to see um one thing that was asked in my discussion that I think is kind of like and also at our last with reach out um like, are you feeling more hopeful about, I feel like we can analyze Germany from the outside mm -hmm. in, like, these limited ways that we've seen so far, you know, and, like, how do you, what are you thinking about Germany and it's, like, how it's progressing? Okay. And then also about maybe the U.S. too, if you would like to put input on that. For me, um, I definitely am hopeful about, like, the way that Germany is progressing because just seeing like the work that these women are doing and just seeing these spaces being created and just personally like going around Germany in the days that we've been here you notice there's not a lot of diversity you notice like like even for me as a Hispanic like I notice there's like very little Hispanics that I've seen personally and like just I think it's so good that they have these spaces to come to and Coming to Germany and learning about these things has made me realize the like racism that's still in the US. And I know that like it's being shoved in our faces every day, but there's also the other side of it where it's like racism, it's not that bad, you know, like we're in the US, things like that. But a lot of the things they're talking about will like jog things in my memory that remind me of like instances that has happened or like things that I've seen on television, on the news, and it makes me realize that we're not really that different and we're not that far off. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, interesting how different it is because, as we were talking about earlier, they just didn't have the language for it because there was never, like, a, a civil rights movement um, in the same way, and so there's just some of that foundation that this woman established, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. One thing that's been interesting for me is comparing like the talks we've been having with Reach Out and Jolie Ba with the trip we took to the museum <laughs> because that was extremely uncomfortable for me walking through and just seeing the different ways even the different civilizations were presented when they were talking about prehistoric Berlin. They're like recreating what a human would look like with full skin and everything else and when it comes to ancient Egypt it's like well this is what they did with their dead. And there's not really much else happening, and they have this stolen bust, and the description of the bust in the room looks just creepy. They're like, oh, we don't know anything about her, but look at how beautiful she is. Look at how long her neck is. And I'm like, Berlin is not comfortable with people who look like that walking mm. down the street. You know, you feel yourself being stared at, and you look around and you're like, oh, I'm the only black person on the train, and people are glancing over, or I think about the thing we learned about happening at the KFC at Alexanderplatz where they demanded their passports. It's like, you know, it's, it's all weird. very yeah. weird. And it just seems like rather than acknowledge that black people are people, they have this idea, well, here's an effort TV, the beautiful person from the past, and here's the people we need to call the police on at KFC. Yeah. And, and I was reading on the description too of Nefertiti, it was like, oh, we were so fortunate to like find her when we uh, like, were doing a, a 
archaeological dig, and I was like, no, you were so you didn't that make entire, a discovery. Like she's been around. That entire oh. room made me so mad because none of it acknowledged how they got her, and they put her in a room by herself, up on this pedestal with the light shining, like glorifying her when she was like she was stolen, and like you said, she's like this past like this statue of this woman in the past that they're like, oh, she's so beautiful. But if they saw someone walking down the street like that, they wouldn't think that. So that was very interesting to compare. Yeah, and the, the tombs too. And just, that was very, I was like, okay, time to go. And it was in the sarcophagus room. Like, uh, <laughs> but no, definitely. One more thing I've been thinking about um, with this discussion is just, about the nature of resistance uh, in that like she has created Jolie Ba and it's this very like community focused organization that is like not very active resistance whereas like in her past she's been a very like active protester and things like that um, and I was just wondering if this got you guys thinking about that at all just in what resistance can be and why it's important to have these many different levels. Something that really interested me when she was talking about you know, how passive, quotation marks, her resistance was, was a lot of people, like, are saying you're not resisting and things like that. And then she brought up the fact that, like, resistance takes so many different forms. And when they say you don't have, like, a culture, you don't have art, you show them art, you don't have a community, you make a community, you, like, hold these gatherings. And I think that's, it really, like, puts into perspective what resistance is. And it really makes you see that you can resist in like subtle ways that aren't necessarily marching or protesting or anything like that. I think it also makes resistance just more accessible for people. You know, not everyone is able to even participate in things like marches, and it can become mm -hmm. a bit ableist if you're like, well, if you're not in the streets, you're not actually doing anything to create change. And she actually talked about you know marches being too much walking at this point. And so I also think forms of resistance like this are a good way to have those who came before in the movement interact with and educate those who are just coming up and just learning about things. Yeah, so I guess any final thoughts on our discussion today or our experience after a week in Berlin? Well, that's great too. Thank you guys <laughs> for talking with me today. Um, I look forward to our next two weeks and to further build on what we've learned so far. So, thank you. I've learned so so much already in this one week from all the sessions we've been having and tours we've been having but equally as much I've just learned so much from my peers and it was really wonderful to have this discussion. There are not that many times in movements when you can put a face to a movement and beyond that there aren't many times when you get to have a discussion like this that we had with Katharina and so this opportunity to speak with her at her organization was such a privilege. Since we've been learning about all the violence that 
oppressed groups in Germany have faced and up till today, how much discrimination goes on. It was such a cool and unique experience to see this organization that has reacted not with anger or with resentment, but with such organic and wonderful things in the community that bring people together. In this clip, it's so clear how for Katarina, resistance is like a natural state. It's something in her. And it was just so cool to see and then interact with her and just know that was what was behind all of it was just this drive. Well, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you again for Katarina for having us at Choliba. And thank you to everyone who listened and participated. And to Heidi for bringing us all to Berlin. Oh, yeah.